Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the GovCon world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're trying to shed some light on the maze of regulations in GovCon. Which ones do you follow? When do you follow them? How do you know? This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Check it out at skywaymember.com or listen to the very end of the episode. Let's get started with what regulations do I follow? There are thousands and thousands of pages of government regulations. The the FAR is the big one. In fact, we have a dedicated time on most every podcast called FAR Time, where we quote some arcane paragraph, uh, arcane language in some obscure paragraph of the FAR. How fun. But there are a lot of other government regulations out there regarding acquisition and procurement and the GovCon world. How do you know what else applies to you and when? On top of that, even if it does apply, there's an, it depends. Because there's situations, there's, there, there are levels, there are different layers of regulation. So there's usually an it depends answer on top of the fact that there's just a lot of regs to wade through. It depends on what agency you're working for. It depends on what command you're working for, possibly. It depends on who you're trying to sell to or compete to win work with. There are a lot of it depends out there. Before we get into those, let's stop and say thanks. Thanks this week goes to Jeff Sanders. He's the chief operating officer at JL Security and Rescue. He's in Nebo, North Carolina. I want to thank Jeff because he shared our episodes about the RFPs, sections L and M, the episodes we did about those two sections on LinkedIn. It's people like Jeff sharing on social media, sharing our content on social media, helps people find us and helps us all make government contracting better one contract at a time. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, back to what regulations should I follow? There, there's a hierarchy to regulations that starts with the FAR. The Federal Acquisition Regulations are at the top level. For you Lord of the Rings fans out there, it's like the one ring to rule them all. It all it, It's in control. It always applies. <laughs> there's a joke in there somewhere. Every executive agency has to follow the FAR. There are other agencies that don't fall under the executive branch, that don't have to follow the FAR. They have their own procurement regulations, like the Library of Congress, the Congressional Budget Office, the Government Publishing Office, don't follow the FAR. Most of our country's money is spent by the executive branch, and that's why we're talking about the FAR all the time and not the other agencies' regulations. Considering this episode is all about the FAR, we don't actually have to proclaim FAR time, but here we are anyway. FAR (laughs) 1.101 Talks about in the, the beginning. In the beginning, talks about the purpose of the FAR. And it says there's a system, the FAR system is established to codify and publish uniform policies and procedures by all executive agencies. It starts with the FAR, which is the primary document, and includes agency acquisition regulations that implement or supplement the FAR. It specifically says that the FAR system does not include internal agency guidance below the level of the agency supplements. We'll talk about that in a minute. More FAR, can't get away from it here. FAR 1.301 is the policy. Tells you that only the agency heads can issue or authorize the issuance of agency acquisition regulations to implement or supplement the FAR. 
They can also issue or authorize the issuance of internal agency guidance at any organizational level. But the internal guidance, it's not part of the FAR system. It's not controlled the same way that the FAR is controlled. There's a very strict system for how FAR language is created and approved and included in the FAR. That doesn't count for the agency guidance. Back when we started as Air Force civilians, there were supplements, official supplements to the FAR down. It felt like to the office level, like maybe even the room you were <laughs> sitting in had its own FAR supplement. It was It was definitely at the, your, I guess, Two levels above me as a contracting officer, there was a policy. The the, the ASC policy, <laughs> the ASC reg. What was that was, Aer- Aeronautical Systems Center? That, yeah, that's Aeronautical Systems Center had a little bit. And so that's five layers below. That. I remember seeing it on a board you know, during the training. I'm thinking, wow, that's five layers from the FAR. Yeah. I mean, it's like five layers of stuff I got to master in order to just award a contract. Yeah. At some point, they blew all that up and said, no, no official FAR supplements below the agency or department level. So we had the Air Force farce up, but nothing official below that, except that's where these, this internal agency guidance at any organizational level came in. And what they did was they created mandatory guidance. So it's not regulatory. It's not, it's not far guidance that you have to follow. It's not controlled by the system, but it's the same thing. Yeah. And you'll see things like mandatory procedures, uh, if you look in, in on acquisition.gov, you'll see the PGI, which is the, I think it stands for um, Procedures, Guidance, and Information. It, it's basically, it's additional supplemental stuff. Right. <laughs> so there, but your, your point is still valid that there isn't as much as there used to be. There isn't as much official as there used to be. Maybe there's Fair more enough. <laughs> there are 32 <laughs> official supplements to the FAR. Each department and agency within the Department of Defense has its own supplement. All the civilian agencies have their own supplements. Some of those supplements are pretty thick volumes of material, despite the fact that the FAR at 1.302 says that agency acquisitions shall be limited to things that are necessary to implement the FAR's policies and procedures within your agency and additional things that supplement the FAR to satisfy the specific needs of the agency. And that's important. It's got to be specific to your agency. Otherwise, if you need a change, it, it's controlled at the far level. That whole idea of specific needs of the agency, that's what people hang their hat on. Say, our agency is unique, therefore we yeah. need these 17 procedures. Again, that's there's a political conversation in there, but the fact is that's where, that, that's where people hang their hat. Just, this is a specific need of, a, of my agency. The FAR attempts to control regulation bloat. At 1.304, Agency Control and Compliance Procedures, says that agencies shall control and limit issuance of their, their regulations that restrain the flexibilities found in the FAR. Hey, don't make this harder than it has to be. The FAR is trying to, to leap, make things easy and flexible. Don't lock it down with your own regulations. It also says agency acquisition regulations shall not unnecessarily repeat paraphrase, or otherwise restate the FAR's language or conflict or be inconsistent with FAR content. So don't just make an agency reg that says the same thing as a FAR. We already have a FAR. It's enough. Believe me, it's enough. And you can't conflict or be inconsistent with it because the FAR is the rule set. It is the one ring. 
one of the things to think about is the reason that the FAR is so big, you and I talk about this a lot, but to, to reiterate that it's like organizational or procedural scar tissue. When something happens, they have to add a layer to say, we can't have this happen again, right? So the point of the FAR is covering so much of that, that the agency shouldn't need to add their layers. Oh, well, when it rains on Tuesday, this happens to so make a new policy. Right. But that does sometimes happen. Yeah, we talk that's that. how they just keep growing. That's one of our constant themes is no rule exists until someone does something wrong or something that that people don't like and then you make a rule to prevent it um, yeah and that's, lots that's of times lots of times we punish the innocent everyone rather than just fixing the problem with with the guilty the far actually tries to help you with that the same paragraph mentions that if if you come up with something that you think is specific to your agency and then you're looking at it and it could actually apply to other agencies you shouldn't put it in your FAR supplement. You should nominate it for inclusion in the actual FAR so that everyone can benefit from this helpful guidance that you've written. Not restrictive, helpful. All right, what are these other regs and where do you find them? The best place is acquisition.gov. That's what they call that, the definitive source. If you go up to the top right-hand corner and click on regulations, you'll see all, what, 32 yeah. of these regulations that are by individual agency. Yeah, there's a drop down and, and it, it's all there and it's all updated in one place and it's much better than the hodgepodge of online FAR type resources that we had in the past. Took a little getting used to and there's still th some things that I think the site could do better, more easily, but it is nice to have everything in a modern website wrapped up on one page. Acquisition.gov is actually the one ring that rules them all. <laughs> you can find pretty much every every FAR or FAR, every part of the FAR and all the FAR supplements are in there and they're all searchable. Yeah. From, from, from a regulation publishing standpoint, correct. All right. What are these other regs? The military departments and the defense agencies fall under the Secretary of Defense. That's where the authority to issue these things comes from. They use the FAR. And then all of the military departments and defense agencies are subject to the Defense FAR Supplement, Defense Federal Acquisition Regulation Supplement, DFARS. They also have their own regulations. The Army has a supplement. The Air Force has a supplement. There's a Navy Marine Corps Acquisition Regulation Supplement. And separate from the departments, the defense agencies all have their own supplements. So Defense Logistics Agency has the DLAD, the Defense Logistics Agency Directive. And then Special Operations Command has theirs. It's called the SOFARS. <laughs> it stands for Special Operations Federal Acquisition Regulation Supplement. Yeah, SOFARS. SOFARS. <laughs> Unlike some of the other acronyms, that one's actually easy to pronounce. Like I said, every department and agency has its own supplement. We don't have to go through them all here. What about non-military agencies? NASA has authorities separate from the other civilian agencies, and they have their own supplement, the NASA FAR supplement, the NFS. The civilian agencies other than NASA are subject to the overall authority of the Administrator of General Services, or some of them have independent authorities, but they all have their own supplements. So the Department of Energy has a supplement, Department of Labor has a supplement, the dollars, dollars, D-O-L-A-R-S, <laughs> Department of Labor Acquisition Regulation Supplement. That's a good one. The Department of Commerce has the CAR. That's a good acronym too. Yeah. Even the smaller agencies like USAID has a supplement. Department of Education is a big one. 
supplement. Health and Human Services, supplement. That's how we get to 32 separate FAR supplements. The good news is some of them are much shorter. <laughs> well, I think all of them are shorter than the DFARs, but some of them are actually surprisingly short because they're only supplementing what they have to. But yes, to your point, they, everybody, you get a supplement, you get a supplement, everybody gets a supplement. <laughs> it's your Oprah moment. So that's how many supplements there are out there. Lots of them. Not even talking about the agency level guidance below the supplements. So how do you know what to follow or what you're subject to? It's pretty easy at the top couple levels. For, for Department of Defense, you follow the FAR, then the DFARS, then your department level supplement, like the Air Force FAR supplement when we were starting out. Then it gets a little trickier because then you're following agency guidance at whatever organization level that agency guidance is listed. So if you're a government employee, it's fairly easy to understand where you're working and what guidance applies. There are probably people to review your work to make sure that it follows all that guidance before anything official is released. If you're on the industry side, it gets much more confusing to try to figure out exactly which officer you're dealing with and what regulations apply. This can get really complicated if your customer isn't buying directly from the agency that they're in. So for example, in one agency, maybe buying some equipment through a special operations command contract or special operations command maybe buying through a GSA contract. So the regulations get fuzzy fast when you realize that it's not, these are very rarely straight lines. Sometimes they are (laughs) on the big acquisitions there, but a lot of times it's a, it's a, kind of a Plinko board trying to find who actually does the, what, what regulations are going to apply to this opportunity. And again, that, how do you, how do you answer that question? Targeting. <laughs> like a lot of things we talk about, know which process your customer is using to buy from companies like you. And ask, when in doubt, ask the contracting officer, <laughs> what are we using here? What are we under? Like you said, it can get really confusing if it's not the Air Force buying something for the Air Force through an Air Force office. So back to what do I have to follow? DOD folks have an extra layer in there, FAR, DFARS, then department or agency supplement. For NASA, it's the FAR, then the NASA FARS up, then local guidance. For civilian agencies, it's the FAR, then your agency stuff, then the local guidance. The DFARS is kind of bonus material for the Defense Department, but they're (laughs) a big bonus. (laughs) Bonus, yeah. But they're a big spender and it, it makes some sense that there might be more rules where there's more money. Remember, no matter what supplements you follow, those supplements can't tell you to ignore the FAR or conflict with the FAR's guidance. Unless an official deviation has been approved, there is a process for doing things that deviate from FAR guidance. It takes approval at higher levels, and we're not going to talk about that today. But in limited cases, that can happen. Usually, FAR supplements clarify or add rules and procedures that are to satisfy the specific needs of the agency. The complexity of how this all lays out is why on the GovCon Fundamentals course that we teach, one of the modules is understanding the FAR. And we go through of all these different FAR regulations and FAR elements, here are the dozen that you care about. And here's where they are in acquisition.gov. So that you can focus down to this is what's going to apply to the kind of things that you buy. Because you, you could get buried in all these different regulations, but you need to understand the basic things that apply all the time because of the FAR and all the time to companies like you all the time. Once you get the basics, that it's not nearly as overwhelming. But yeah, after listening to you walk through all that, it's, it, yeah, you, you, can, you can just get frozen in the headlights kind of thing. 
regulations, like you said, are, are somewhat universal at, at the top levels. On the podcast here, we link things to the acquisition time zones and the execution time zones all the time. Where does what we're talking about fit into the GovCon process? Well, when we're talking regulations, this is from the very beginning to very end because those regulations govern the entire process. So all acquisition time zones and execution time zones are applicable here. If you're not familiar with the acquisition time zones, they're in episode number three, and the execution time zones are in episode 84. Way back when, three and 84. Specifically on the government side, these layers of regulations and supplements to the regulations are one of the reasons why GovCon can take a long, long time to get any results. Why it feels like it's taking a long time to get anything done, there are a lot of policies and procedures and regulations to follow. That's especially challenging if you're, like I was talking about before, if, if you're buying through a different agency or if you have a joint organization or if you just moved to a joint organization and your old FAR supplement doesn't apply, but theirs does. And there's some similarities and some, and some differences. For example, Special Operations Command is a, is a joint organization because you have people that are coming with an Air Force background, with an Army background, with a Navy background. And we all had our, if you dealt with a Navy Marine Corps sub and now you're dealing with the SOFARs, there are some differences, but there are also some similarities. And for, for me, here's an obvious one. Air Force calls a contracting officer the CO. Army calls a contracting officer the KO. So you move Special Operations Command, all of a sudden you refer to yourself as a CO and they think that you're a commanding officer. Well, no, you're a KO. Okay, that's not even in the FAR, but that's the kind of changes that pop up and you start realizing, oh, I got to learn this. Special Operations Command, it has its own supplement to iron out the differences. Here's the rules we're going to follow. It can be even more complicated when you work in a joint program office, which happens sometimes on major, major programs. Like I remember the F-35 fighter program was building planes for Air Force purposes, Navy purposes, Marine Corps purposes, and also foreign partner purposes, that program office was staffed from all of the agencies, but whose rules apply and why? You got to iron all that out and it gets confusing because it's not just people from different backgrounds coming in and working there, but it doesn't, it's not an organization at the level that has its own supplement to, to clarify things. You can also deal with things like the defense logistics agency has that, which has their own farce up. They buy a lot of stuff that the military uses. So that's a different acquisition process. So as, as from the government side, you may realize, oh, well, we buy this, but, but the DLA buys that. Yeah. And so all of a sudden I have to have some understanding of the DLA's acquisition process because I'm handing off this project to them to deliver. You were talking before about, uh, about agency to agency differences. So if you're a government employee, you know the rules vary if you change jobs. If you move from one agency to another, it's not one size fits all. There's going to be slight differences. Your background allows you to quickly absorb those changes. You know how to look and figure out what applies and what doesn't. But you can't just walk in and do everything exactly the same when you go from one job to the next. I mean, for you, Space Command and SOCOM are quite different environments, I imagine. Yes. <laughs> very, very different programs, very, very, very different missions. One is very long-term. The other one was, we need this right now. I mean, just that alone changes how the, the, the FAR is applied yeah. and the FAR sucks. <laughs> right, right. Regulations specific to very long or we need this right now. On the industry side, it's not as easy to understand what regulations you should follow. Like I said before, if you're in a government office, 
you know what your office's policies and procedures are and your chain of command and how those regulations and supplements flow down. If you're on the industry side, it can be really confusing. I, th- I thought I was reading the FAR. I understand the rules. Now you're telling me there's more? And it might be different for all my other contracts because they're with this other agency? Ugh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One of the customers I was helping, we went through the first round of, of the RFP strategy because the RFP just came out and we were looking at what's different from the, from the, the draft to the, pro, to the uh, final. And as I was walking through the FAR elements of here are the things that they're, they're, they're talking about when they reference this part of the FAR. And then the next day, I followed up with all of the things that apply to the DFARs because this was a defense contract. And he's like, wait a minute, I got other stuff to look at? <laughs> good news is it was, I was refining the elements so we had additional things to include in the overall proposal. But the idea of understanding what is the regulation that applies to this situation and which parts do you have to pull out? I mean, we, we've helped customers win contracts with health and human services and all kinds of different agencies, even though we never worked there, but we still had to go read it and say, okay, here's what's different. This is why this agency has this, this supplement says something different than the other agency. And you have to look at that stuff. Otherwise you end up speaking a language that they see as different from them. <laughs> right. It's, it's a, why they use a network yeah. well, because they have a DOD background. Yeah. It's funny on the government side, you're, you're just used to following the trail of regulations. On the industry side, it's not natural to have to dive down and figure out exactly what applies and how, even though it's easier now because of acquisition.gov. I remember back in the day, my mentor contracting officer used to carry the FAR around with him. John Meyer, you remember, he would carry the FAR to every meeting. And I think it was was almost like a weapon or a threat to some people, but he would easily flip it open and find something in it to, to quote during, during a meeting. He didn't carry the DFARs and the AFARs and everything else as well. <laughs> he, he didn't have that many hands or he didn't want to wear a backpack at work, I guess. But I remember him carrying the FAR everywhere he went. And now we just have it on our phone. It's a whole lot easier <laughs> and it's searchable. <laughs> the biggest part of understanding the FAR to me is pick the pieces that are relevant to the kind of work that you do. And what are the five or six parts of the FAR that are always going to apply to the type of work that you do and know those well enough that you know where to search for things and you know how to stitch the story together. The biggest reason for that is that when the regulation doesn't match what the government is doing, or likewise, when your proposal doesn't match what the regulation, what the contracting folks or the acquisition folks are expecting you to do, there's a disconnect, right? And you'll have context. So that context is in the FAR. But when you say it that way, it's like, oh, just go read the FAR. Okay, that's not going to work. So you have to think about what are those agency regulations that apply to your customer and what parts within them? For example, if your customer always buys through GSA, you got to learn FAR Part 8. If your, if your customer always uses IDIQ, you got to learn 16.5. Once you learn those things, you'll have the right language. And it's, it's all in the FAR and it's all available for free. And acquisition.gov, it's just you got to know where you're starting. Right. I spent a lot, most of my career in FAR Part 15 type acquisitions. So I don't have nearly the level of experience with simplified acquisitions or even commercial acquisitions, even though I have done that a couple times in my career. There are other contracting officers, there are other industry people that never deal with FAR Part 15 with these big acquisitions that we talk about a lot on the podcast because they're very complex. Some people spend entire careers and only deal with the more simplified buy and the more streamlined things or GSA type buys. Regardless, 
I think that's good advice, Kevin. Get familiar with the parts that affect you on a daily basis. Don't worry about every regulation. Get familiar enough with the parts that affect you on a daily basis so that you know where to find what you need within those parts. That's why it's so fun that our team, Shelly is really good at service contracts, which is FAR Part 37. Steve's really good with R&D, which is FAR Part 36. I didn't spend that much time there. I don't think you did either, right? So you have different skill sets. And that that's what makes this this so much more interesting when you master the the part that applies to what you're working on without getting overwhelmed. Without with getting how overwhelmed. much there is. Yeah. And I think we're just about to overwhelm people with how much there is in this, what we thought was going to be a simple episode. So let's wrap it up here. I'll talk to you later, Kevin. I'll see you, Paul. Thanks for joining us today. Remember, we bring this podcast to you for free every week, thanks to Skyway Acquisition. If you're confused about what regulations you should follow or need help from Skyway's team of contracting officers, give us a call at 877-884-5280 or check it out at skywaymember.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.